0: Welcome to Growth Maestros by Mo Engage. In this podcast series, we'll be speaking to industry leaders from various business verticals and understand their approach towards marketing and growth. We'll be focusing on aspects like customer acquisition, retention, engagement and personalization among others and provide key insights to a community of product owners. This is your opportunity to learn and emulate these learnings in your campaigns and marketing initiatives to churn exceptional results. According to a recent IBM study, 93% of CEOs surveyed felt better understanding, predicting and giving customers what they really want was a top priority for them and their organization. While there is no doubt about the critical role customer data and actionable insights play in driving meaningful engagement, only 30% of brands use deeper insights to personalize experience brands still struggle to provide personalized omni-channel experiences based on customer's affinity, aha moments, channel of frequency preferences, and more. There still seems to be a gap in leveraging existing data to drive hyper-personalized customer experiences. How can brands bridge this gap? To discuss this and more on the role of zero and first-party data and how brands can leverage it to drive the most impact, we have on this episode tejas manohar co-founder and co-ceo of hightouch the leading reverse etl platform that syncs customer data from warehouse into tools business teams can rely on welcome to growth micro stages how are you doing hey thanks for having me Awesome. Tejas, could you talk to us a little bit more about your experience? I know I shared a little bit uh, about your background and what you're currently doing, but if you could share any interesting use cases that you have sought for, and if you'd like to talk a little bit more about High Touch with our listeners today, that would be great.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So I'll start from the top with just a, a quick intro. Um, so I'm Tejas, um, co-founder and co-CEO over at Hightouch and HiTouch is uh, the leading data activation platform. Um, so basically, what we do is we know that companies have, as you mentioned, a huge treasure chest of data. Companies, you know, know more than ever about their customers, and they have tons of information and digital data. The amount of digital data in the world is is reported to be d- doubling every every twelve to eighteen months at this point. Um, but we think that you know a lot of that data is not really being put to work, right? It might be analyzed. It might be utilized for answering some strategic questions. But fundamentally, it's not really activated or used in the day to day of your business operations or business functions, um, with a top use case being to personalize your customer experiences and, you know, apply data towards your marketing, advertising, digital campaigns to to make them highly effective. Um, So that's our mission at Hitech is to create the the new standard way that companies do that on top of all the data that they've collected in the cloud in technologies like Snowflake, Databricks, and, and different data warehouses, basically allowing all that data to be put to work by marketing teams and the, the business as a whole. Um, before founding Touch, I was an early engineer and product leader at a company called Segment. So for anyone who's familiar with marketing technology or the customer data space, probably have heard of Segment. Um, they were, you know, one of the first companies in the CDP or now Customer data platform uh, category, and I was there for uh, about four years. You know, one of the first ten engineers to the company, and um, helped helped them go from basically a developer tool to a full on marketing platform over the the next few years. And then they were eventually acquired for um, about three billion dollars by by Twilio. Um, and I found it high touch because I I realized that um, as companies were getting more advanced um, with their digital data needs. Or, or larger in size and complexity um, it just became really hard to utilize uh, you know CDP solutions or customer data platforms it's hard to get all your data into the solution in the first place um you know these solutions were often not flexible enough they could store like user data or analytics events but they couldn't store everything about your customer and there's you know so many different models from purchases to loyalty program data to Um, you know, point of sales data, et cetera. Uh, And finally, um, you know, they were really expensive both to to stand up, to to buy and operate. Um, And, you know, I realized that there was this opportunity to basically create a CDP or a way for companies to activate their data on top of all the data and infrastructure that already existed at the company. So on top of, you know, that old data warehouse you have over there, you can put high touch on top and start using it to, um, you know, Activate your data across all your different marketing channels, advertising channels, SaaS tools, business tools in your company. Um, and yeah, now we've been operating for about four years, focusing on the uh, mid market and you know also fast growing startups as well as the, the large enterprises in the world. Um, and you know work with companies like PetSmart, the NBA, uh, and and more.
0: Awesome awesome i think that's uh, really insightful in terms of what you mentioned about the underutilization of data and how high touch sits on top of all the existing systems in your martech stack right um uh, and and one thing that you alluded to was the underutilization of the data like the data exists and is doubling year on year but the companies have not been able to utilize that properly right and uh-huh. uh, I think- all brands know the tremendous potential that customer data and insights have in driving personalized experiences. But why do you think the gap exists and uh, how can brands resolve this issue?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so I think it's a couple things. If I were to say that it was fully a technology problem, uh, that would be wrong. There's definitely a people element to it, a creativity element to it, an element of, you know, are you thinking in a data driven way or more in a blast uh you know batch and blast or traditional marketing way that being said you know i do think there is a really big technology and more than technology because it's not rocket science to go activate that data and use it towards your marketing maybe technology accessibility or you know technology self service problem when it comes to data activation so yeah i mean i I think that the problem really is that it's it's not easy to utilize all that said data and information on a regular basis in the tools that you purchased, like your SaaS tools, like, you know, a MoEngage, for example, uh, or whatever your, you know, your customer engagement platform is or an advertising channel, for that matter, or, or any tool you bought for your digital or marketing technology stack. Um, so I think yeah, every year, you know, every few years, the, the elephant in the room sort of shifts. Um, you know, digital data was exploding at a ridiculous rate ever since uh, about 2010, eight, 2010 or the, the mobile era. Um, and the, the first problem was obviously just collecting all that data into one place. And I wouldn't say that's a solved problem for many, for, for all organizations, uh, entirely at least, but the tools to solve it have sort of settled. You know, it used to be a CRM, to store all your data, or an ERP, and now it's, it's the data warehouse. It's technologies like Snowflake and Databricks that are Maybe not the most easy to use, but the most complete source of information in the company. So I think um, when it comes to why is that data not being activated, it's because it's really hard to do so. I mean, marketing teams, I've seen it all the time where they have these ideas like, hey, I want to find customers that match X, Y, Z criteria, and I want to send them a super personalized campaign. And they submit that into some sort of sprint planning process of a data team or an IT team that, um, you know, then only gets this ticket two weeks later and and tells them that, hey, there's only a thousand people in that that audience and we have 50 million users at this company. It's probably not going to move the needle if you run a campaign against them. Um, And that's just an example of this difficulty there is from a technology perspective and accessibility perspective to actually use data. Um, So I think there's two aspects of it. Um, One is just the tools out there to use data today aren't really self-service to marketing teams. They can't easily jump into all the data that exists in their company, start exploring, start building different audiences, understanding their customer base, activating it. And then two, the tools that are maybe easier or easy to use in the data space um, for marketing teams are more focused on analytics and then activation, um, and that's the big gap that we solve at High Touch, which is you have this valuable data like a lifetime value score or an audience of high value users. What do you do with it? If it's just sitting on a report, it only has so much value. But if you're able to get it into systems like MoEngage or an or an advertising network and use it for targeting and personalizing personalizing your campaigns, then um, then that's a huge impact. So I do think it's a technology and a technology accessibility problem, and I think um through high touch and the you know the category of data activation that we're evangelizing out there in the market we really think there's a possibility to solve this problem without creating totally new infrastructure at companies or you know spending six to twelve months implementing a cdp uh or you know changing everything the changing the whole house just to fix the roof
0: nice Changing the whole house just to fix the roof. (laughs) That should be one of the key takeaways from this session today. Um, Awesome. I think really, really good insights there. Uh, Now, Tejas, when it comes to customer insights, I don't think any other word or phrase has been used as much as zero-party and first-party data in very recent years. right? And it makes absolute sense with the sunset of third-party cookies but uh, a lot of brands are worried about balancing personalization and privacy right however our recent personalization purse check report suggests that 66 percent of consumers are comfortable or slightly comfortable with sharing the data including their name location and email now this acceptance of data sharing shows personalized experience is expected from consumer brands right keeping this in mind how do you think consumer brands should approach zero and first party data to drive the most impact? out of these customer insights
1: well yeah i'm biased of course obviously but you know i believe activating it is one of the biggest ways they can they can move the needle on their their business um, th- once they have these this data and insights in place um, you know with zero and first party data um, and you said something interesting which is that um you know the acceptance of data sharing shows that a personalized experience expected from cost- consumers and I think that's exactly right. Like, I actually I'm a firm believer that personalization done well is actually a preferable experience to the to the consumer. Um, I'll give you a kind of natural example. You know, when I go to a website, the reality is, you know, especially if it's a social network of any sort, I'm going to see ads I'm going to see ads for the latest and greatest TV shows or you know movies, uh, movie theaters or from, you know, streaming companies like Netflix or HBO, and I'm going to see them no matter what I do. But as a consumer, I mean, I would way rather see those advertisements um, for for media and for items and for services that are relevant to me, versus ones that I'm not going to to be interested in. Um, so, I think, frankly, like you know, a lot of a lot of brands are worried about activating data and moving to a more personalized approach, um, and, and doing that in a way that's um, not going to lose trust with their customers. And, There's even you know somewhat of a um a movement for 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 companies to to think twice on whether they want to use all this data about their customers or they should take a more privacy standpoint for their brand but frankly i I do think personalization you know done well is preferable by the consumer and there can be a line where that personalization is creepy but it's not where you use too much data it's where you use the data and you you make the wrong assumption of, of it, and then it becomes very obvious that you're personalizing and very tacky and very, you know, not human, um, which is what you're trying to avoid. As an example, I've seen companies, you know, send out an email to my inbox right when I, I leave the website, a few minutes after I, you know, leave something in in my cart and don't check out. And um, while there's kind of a fascination with doing all this stuff in real time in in, in the martech and marketing space, we've found that it's actually not ideal. If you wait a, if you wait a couple hours and do those sort of abandoned cart campaigns. Um, even though it's not real time anymore, they're actually more effective um, because it it really um, you know, hits the customer at a time where they for- they haven't thought about the cart for a while. They forgot about it, and it's it's a much more human experience. As if you're talking to a teller at a bank, you know they're not going to start pinging you just because your eyes glance at a certain offer and you know keep asking you if you want to buy that. Or or representative at a store, it's a much more holistic experience. Um, that's more much more natural and much more human. So frankly think the the biggest unlock that brands can have is to start activating their data and personalizing right away and and not to be too afraid and um really to just think of uh the mo- the areas in their funnel that that could have the most impact take those as a starting point, uh, and to just focus on creating you know very human experiences or um not maybe not going too crazy with the one-to-one personalization and stuff
0: like that. Some really good insights about utilizing the data properly and not utilizing all of the data and not you know uh, being cognizant of uh, reaching out to your customers in real time, whether it is in terms of cart abandonment and then waiting for some more time to you know, make it seem more human and more natural. I think perfectly makes sense and very good takeaways for our audience as well. Uh, now, the it is oftentimes the data that various teams within the organizations look at, analyze, and act upon is very different, right? How can marketing and data teams work together? And how understanding the outcomes that marketing team wants to achieve, uh, uh, how does all of this tie in together for a very non-siloed approach to data analysis?
1: I love this question. Um, so if I'm just to play it back, I think what you're, what you're effectively asking me is, um, how like the, the data that you look at is just so different. Oftentimes marketing is saying the definition of a customer is one thing. Data is saying something else. Lifetime value looks different. High value users looks different. This filter says something else. Um, how do you get everyone on the same page and drive real outcomes from the data together? How do, how do these teams work better together? Um, so. I would say it comes down to a few things. I can think of three off the bat um, that really resonate with me. Um, one is the data just shouldn't look different <laughs> between teams. Uh, it sounds it sounds cliche, and to say that, and a lot of people think it's it's not possible, right? So all these different tools, how can the data not not look different between them? Um, well, it can. It, it really can if you have marketing teams. Leverage the the foundation of data that is being used across IT data and the rest of the business. And this wasn't possible ten years ago, but with the evolution of the cloud, we're seeing that happen in in the data warehouse technologies, right? So technologies like Snowflake, Databricks, you know, Google BigQuery, Amazon Redshift. Every company is basically trying to centralize around one or two of these technologies and dump all their data into it. And while it can be really appealing for marketing to have their own system to operate like a, a CDP or a customer data platform. Turns out that, you know, you need a lot of support from the data teams to use one of those platforms and from the engineering teams to use one of those platforms. And it's a lot easier to just live on top of the infrastructure they already have and buy more composable technologies like High Touch that can plug on top of that, fix data problems like identity resolution and, and then let you activate it. So I think the first point I would mention is just don't have these consistency issues in the first place. It sounds crazy, but it truly is possible. You know, if, if it's if it's possible to recollect good data from scratch into a CDP, then it would be possible to do that in data warehouse as well. So I'd say the first first thing I'd suggest is just to have a consistent data foundation that uh, teams can rely on across the business. Second thing that comes to mind is a trickier one. To be honest, I think the first one is becoming sort of obvious, and 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 the way that the industry is headed. Um, you can see even marketing technology software, different solutions saying, hey, the future is having, um, you know, things in the data warehouse. That being said, the second one is is really a a trickier one, which is, in my opinion, data literacy and and enablement. Um so never really like the word data literacy. it's It's not about is someone able to understand data or not, or are they capable of understanding it? It's more about enablement. and are they actually, you know, is your marketing team or is your business team actually enabled to, um, to know where the right data is, what they should be looking at, what these terms mean, what these columns mean, what these tables mean, what reports are the source of truth? It's really all about that, and it's different from company to company. So it's not a, you know, it's not a skill like, like literacy is for a language, where if you know a language like English, you can go use it at any company. It's really enablement because there's people who are super data driven and then don't know. Where the heck to find their information when they move to another company? Um, so I think data enablement is something that needs to be handled as a first-class problem and concern by any technical and data team. Um, and if you're just producing data all the time and no one's using it, it doesn't do any good. So you need to A, activate it and, and you know get it into the the systems that your business teams live in. So you don't make them have to use totally new systems. You know, move that data to a engage or a Salesforce CRM or HubSpot or Zoho or whatever it is. Um, and then two, you know, train the users and on and document it and tell them like what these different data fields mean. Don't just put in their tool and then expect it to all work out. Um, and the third point I would say is is frankly just like collaboration between the teams, um, between the data and marketing and IT type teams. Um, There's, again, I think I kind of touched on this earlier, but there's sort of an idea in the market that if marketing buys their own data solutions, like a CDP for an example, um, then they'll be set free and be able to self-serve from that point onwards. It's not true. If you look at the companies where this is successful, it's where there is a strong collaboration between data and marketing teams. So at Touch we have the philosophy that, you know, collaboration is key. It's easier to collaborate on a consistent foundation like the data warehouse. And that's why we believe that's the kind of future of the CDP space and the way marketers activate their data and do personalization. Um, But at the same time, it's a human problem and um, the teams just need to work together. So I'm a big fan of like an embedded model for this kind of having some data people in marketing. Or dedicated to marketing function that work really closely with the marketing team and understand their requirements but still you know relate back to a central unit um and and, and collaborate with them as well to share insights on the technology um, but there's different approaches in, in one way or another you need to get into a state where data and marketing teams are, are really working together in order to achieve anything here
0: I think nicely framed into three points, three very effective and actionable points. And of course, like you mentioned in the last point, which is, you know, embedding uh, a particular function dedicated to marketing and then reporting to the central data teams. I think that would make a lot of difference and uh, something that's a takeaway from this episode as well. Now, uh, tejas as a follow up, how can brands turn their data analytics engine into marketing engine uh, for better, more actionable and accurate insights?
1: Well, you know, I definitely hate to to blabber about about our company over and over, but this is pretty much the, the thesis of it, right? So you have a data analytics engine, you have a bunch of data sitting in a warehouse or data lake or BI tools like Tableau and Microsoft Power BI and Looker. How do you turn that into a marketing engine? And how do you actually action on that and use it to drive results for your company? Um, so my opinion is that the best way to do this is a to buy into the to the foundation of your data analytics engine um and if you if you have a data team if you have a data analytics you know dna function in any way it's i can almost guarantee you that they are revolving around a data warehouse or bi tools um but at the same time you know you need a way to activate that data so i i think the future of this is going to be marketing teams and it's not just the future. I mean, we work with tons of super fast-growing startups um, like Ramp and Calendly and and Plaid and um, um, uh, GameStop and the NBA. Um, But you need to basically take a composable uh, CDP approach or a data activation approach where you have a a platform like HiTech that allows marketing teams to sit on top of that whole set of data that you have inside of the data warehouse and do things like seamlessly take data points from there, like um, customer lifetime value or churn risk or um, you know first name, last name, age, total uh, purchases, anything like that, and get it directly in the in the business tools that you use, like Moengage or um, like a, a CRM or anything like that without having to rely on engineers and technical skills. I mean, just activating data, getting that data to different tools around your company is, is definitely the first step. I'd say the second step to to turning that data analytics engine into a marketing engine is to allow marketing to you know really get closer to that data. So in our platform, we built out this whole thing called Customer Studio, which basically allows marketers to get all the capabilities of a CDP you know, directly on top of the data analytics engine that they already have and the data warehouse they already have. That means things like audience building, building custom traits about customers, seeing overlaps, breakdowns, analytics, um, running things like A-B tests across the channel tools that they have and, you know, an omni-channel way as well. Um, So I think that's where, you know, you start getting more advanced usage of data from the marketing teams and, and faster iteration where they can actually take things into their own hands um, so overall, I would say, I mean, if you're asking the question of how to turn a your data analytics engine into a marketing engine, I think the composable CDP or solutions like High Touch are the missing link between what's happening in those two worlds, and and that's why over the last four years, you know, five hundred companies have have you know, enterprise companies have adopted us.
0: Awesome. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, don't worry about the plugs, though. <laughs> I think I'm sure the audience will appreciate how high touch can uh, make a difference in their day-to-day, at least in terms of data analysis and, you know, resolving some of these data silos that exist. Uh, Now, we just coming to uh, perhaps one of the most important parts of this discussion, which is personalization at scale. Uh, Now, according to McKinsey, uh, businesses that engage in personalization at scale or personal interactions uh, with a large group of customers observe a one to two percent lift in the total sales uh, for grocery companies and even a higher lift for retailers, typically by driving up loyalty and share of wallet. already loyal customers right now mckenzie findings also suggest that personalized experiences can provide five to eight times the roi on marketing spend um, i know we have discussed a lot about you know uh how do you analyze data bring out actionable insights and then resolve some of the data silos between marketing and data teams and look at data the proper way uh, now let's discuss about the right approach to personalization and how how brands can go about it uh would love to hear your thoughts on that totally great question so first thing first
1: just by adding more data or personalization to marketing campaigns you know you won't necessarily see a five to eight times roi on your marketing spend it's it's probably companies who are doing that quite effectively um that being said i think that's exactly uh exactly where i would start in in my few points on on how you best approach personalization the first thing you need to do to be effective at it is to to have a goal in mind, you need to know where the low-hanging fruit is, or where the opportunity is in your, uh, you know, your marketing funnel, or your sales funnel, or or your business as a whole. Um, you need to know what metric you have a hypothesis that you can have the highest chance of moving, whether it's activation or retention, or you know, the cost of acquisition. Um, do you think there's something wasteful in the funnel, or do you think there's an opportunity deep in the customer base or funnel that um, you're not focusing enough on? Uh, and you can use data to, to target better or emphasize more. So it first comes down to having a hypothesis and a goal that is measurable and, and testable. And I recommend that before any sort of personalization or marketing campaign or or just initiative is started whenever possible and, and being really rigorous about that. Um, second is that it's fundamentally a uh, a, a data problem, right? So personalization, it's really just a problem of having all the data, right data in place and having good ways to activate it. Um, So I think investing in that technological foundation is super, super critical. And for any company that wants a large investment in, in their data, the first thing they should do is, you know, partner with their data function and figure out how they can use the data that the company already has in systems like data warehouses or if you don't have a system like that, I'm, you know, I'm sure that you're investing in one or creating that uh, as the, you know, the analytics center of the company and work with them to figure out how you can get your hands on that data as a marketing team and and activate it to create your personalized experiences and and further analyze the personalized experiences that you, you know, previously made a goal for and a plan for in the first step. Um, and the third thing I would say is that um, you just need to partner closely with your, uh, your counterparts in the data team to, um, you know, execute on this personalization experience and measure the impact of it and the efficacy of it and see if there's a way to way to tune it um, and, and make it better over time. Because a lot of times you don't get the highest ROI, for ROI from your first personalization. You know, you need to invest in the tools and the framework so that you can iterate on it quickly. Like, for example, having an audience builder or having some basic tools so that marketing can can try different things without being blocked on engineering and data um, and try different experiments and so forth um, until you get the results that you're really hoping to see. Um, so those are the three things I would focus on you know, having clear goals in mind, having a hypothesis two um, it's a data problem so you know, having the, the tools to to work with the data that your company has uh, like high touch like a data activation platform. Um, and then three finally, Working together with your data counterparts to enable you on where the right data is, and um, to to help you design a, a strong experiment. Um, the only last thing I might add is that I think there's always low-hanging fruit in companies. I think you know, um, OKM's razor, right? Is the, uh, the the saying that you know there there's always a, the the right solution is often the obvious one. I think the obvious one is, is sort of hard to find as well. Um, I think that's that's very commonly commonly true. And if you uh, if you look, you look around, there probably are obvious things, you know, we've talked to tons and tons of enterprises at this point, that just aren't using their data properly to suppress their advertising to existing customers. As in, you know, there's there's customers that recently bought a product, like, I recently bought a vacuum, and then I open up Facebook, and I, and I see an ad for that same vacuum. That's a pure waste of money. So if you're not, you know, getting all your data from different sources whether it's e-commerce or retailers or um, your point of sale system, pushing that into a data warehouse, maybe enriching it with third party sources, that that's what one of our products does, Match Booster. Um, and then using that data set to suppress um, to just run suppressions on on all the different advertising channels and, and I mean all of them that you're using, you know, Facebook, Google, TikTok, Snapchat, LINE, uh, you know, Trade Desk, you name it then you're probably leaving money on the table um, one way or another. And while it sounds basic, I, I've seen this in so many companies so far, and even some of the, the the Fortune 500 and Fortune 100 in the world that have oh so much technology in play and still still aren't doing this effectively across the organization. Um, so I'd say there's always low-hanging fruit, whether it's uh, re-engaging some customers or whether it's uh, suppressing some ads from some customers that can, at a large company, drive reasonable ROI, um, and at a small company, I guess you know, every dollar counts towards uh, towards the budget. So the ROI can also be high even if the um, even if the the amount the share you know uh, amount is not is not that high. So we really emphasize keeping your eye out for that and not trying to get too fancy too fast.
0: Awesome! I think really really good insights and really good points and you know well put together well structured. Um, I think they just uh, if if there was. A couple of companies, a couple of organizations that you say have been doing this well, um, in your experience so far, uh, which would uh, some of them be that uh, our audiences could you know take their example and emulate that in their day-to-day activities.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. So I think
0: I always think back to our customer base,
1: um, because those are a lot of the companies that I am just like really intimately familiar with what they're doing on the marketing side. Two companies that come to mind are a Spotify um so if you look towards Spotify obviously um they are the masters of personalization they're they're using all the data that you have when it comes to listening data etc 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 to deliver you things like uh you know year in review um, which we um, actually have like a tutorial online of how to how to build a or Spotify wrapped that's what it's called we have a tutorial online of how to build, a campaign like that at your company, on top of your data warehouse, um, on the highdish.com website. Um, so I think that's one example. Their whole recommendations engine is, is a data problem. Um, those are companies that really think about not just like how do I send out some personalized email campaigns or how do I do a card abandoner. They're really thinking about how do I use data to take my my company to the next level and the way customers interact with it to the next level and really differentiate. And I really respect that. I think, again, going back to the McKinsey study of five to eight times. ROI, that's how you get it, you need to get more advanced with your data and really think about it in the context of your product and company and find partners who can help you out with that. Um, another one that comes to mind is PetSmart. We've spoken at Pet with PetSmart's marketing team and VP of marketing Bradley at, at tons of different conferences at this point, you know, Snowflake uh, conference, um, you know, being one of them. And he's phenomenal, by the way, but um, I would say they have done a lot. To use data towards their loyalty program, when you go into their stores and you check out and you make a loyalty membership, that you know you're you're able to tell them everything about your pet. For anyone who doesn't know PetSmart, it's it's a Fortune 500 retail uh, company in the U.S. that sells you know pet supplies, pet food, all that sort of stuff. They let you tell tell you every tell them everything about your pet. You know, it's birthday, species, what food it likes, all this sort of stuff. And they use that for personalization to the maximum extent. So one of the things that I've seen one of my friends receive as a customer is actually this um, pet birthday campaign. So just as a customer receiving this email in their inbox, um, they actually, you know, send out emails and uh, give you offers and promotions and, uh, you know, encourage you to go to go do something for your your pet's birthday. And, you know, stuff like that is, you know, human levels of personalization that make you really fall in love with the brand. Um, And big fan of, 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 of what both of those companies are doing.
0: Awesome. Uh, I think these are really good, great examples. And I think most of, most of the audience are already aware about these brands and, uh, the kind of things that they have been trying to do. So you must have people that you look up to, you know, in this space, right? Uh, when it comes to personalizing or when it comes to properly analyzing and utilizing the data, like you mentioned from those two examples that you took of PetSmart and Spotify, um, are there any couple of, uh, uh, LinkedIn handles or Twitter handles that you generally go to for inspiration uh, that our audiences could follow as well? Any recommendations on that?
1: Yeah, totally great question. Um, from a marketing technology standpoint, uh, Juan Mendoza, I'm a big fan of his content. Um, he runs a, a publication called the Martech Weekly. Uh, they talk about, you know, how how brands can use marketing technology to Move fast in a nimble way and um, you know actually deliver ROI to their business and to their customers. Um, Scott Brinker is another uh, another one that I'm a big fan of uh, with his blog Chief Martech. Um, when it comes to marketing itself um, you know I don't follow any like influencers or anything like that to be completely honest but I do follow a number of number of people who share their tips and tricks on LinkedIn. And I think I focus more on the companies like Grammarly, Spotify, PetSmart, and uh, brands like that and see what see what they're doing Uh, but always it's always important to look for you know examples that are analogous to your space when it comes to uh i wouldn't say the technology part but i definitely would say the marketing campaigns part
0: makes sense makes absolute sense i think that brings us uh to the end of an insightful session uh today thank you so much for joining us and uh sharing such deep insights on utilizing existing data um, to drive hyper-personalized experiences and how data and marketing teams can work together. I'm sure our listeners would be eager to take away the learnings and emulate them in their own organization. Uh, but thank you so much, uh, for taking your time out. If there's one parting note, you would like to leave our audiences with, uh, mostly marketers, growth, uh, growth marketers, product owners, uh, in terms of data analysis or in terms of, you know, per- using those insights to drive personalized experiences, what would that be?
1: It would be to just start frankly. Uh, I think there's so many companies who think they need to change the world or, you know, completely change their infrastructure to start doing personalization. They think they, they need a bunch of new tools. Um, I personally have a different opinion. Um, I think that companies can can get started with the data, the tools that they have today, um, and then evolve that over time and, and approaches like high touch with you know, reverse CTL and data activation and composable CDP that can sit directly on top of you know data warehouses, et cetera, that you have today, really unlock that approach at a, at a pace more rapid than ever um, for marketing teams. So that would be my suggestion.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Tejas, for taking the time out and joining us and sharing such wonderful insights. It was lovely discussing with you, very, very insightful pointers. And I'm sure it, uh, our audiences will greatly appreciate that as well. Thank you for having
1: me.